the worship set. Amen. But if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. During this whole month, again, we're going to be talking about not just Christmas, but the whole series that we're going to be going into is called The Characters of Christmas. We're going to be looking at people who were surrounded uh, surrounding the Christmas story but didn't even realize what part they were playing in it. Amen. And so if you want to turn, we're going to be in, uh, like I said, Luke chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be reading in verse number 5. And we're going to have a little bit of lengthy reading, so just hang out with me, follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put it up on the screen for you, amen? So I'm going to also be reading from the CSB version this morning, and uh, hopefully that's okay. If not, we can discuss it afterwards, amen? So verse number five, in the days of King Herod of Judah, or Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were very righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. But, that's big right there, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. Verse number 8. When his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And at that hour, the ins- the, the, uh, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense, When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Mm, That's good stuff right there. I could stop right there and preach for 10 days, but I'm not going to. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in the mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteousness of righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Just a couple more verses. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. And all the women said, Amen, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> he said, you will, be, you will be silent and you won't be able to speak and tell, until you tell this good news. Uh, Yeah, verse 20. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day that these take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled. 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. And then they realized they had a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. All right, 24 and 25, I promise we're done. After this day, his wife Elizabeth conceived. 
and kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days, listen to this, to take away my disgrace among the people. Can we pray this morning? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, remove Joe from the equation. I'll mess things up if I try to do this without you, God. Right now, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do in this room. Lord, we have an agenda, but you have a better one. And that's the one we want this morning, God. Give us the word. Break our hearts open like the ground. And plant in our hearts the seeds of the word this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So how many people thought that we would ever be standing in Free Spirit Chapel in, Christmas, uh, in July talking about Christmas, right? Um, what I, what's amazing to me is that this story... It's, it's absolutely beautiful, and I know it was a lengthy reading, but I promise we've got a lot to unpack this morning, and God wants to do a great work. But when the angels appeared to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 to announce the birth of the Messiah, they described his birth in this way, good news and great joy. Good news and great joy for not rich, not poor, not the wealthy, not who has it all together, not for all people. Why was the birth of Jesus good news and great joy? And how was it for all people? And these are the questions that we're going to be examining over the next few weeks as we prepare in our hearts and our minds to embrace this Christmas in July thing that we're talking about. But when we do this, we want to remember that, that this is what Jesus brought with him when he came, was good news of great joy for all people. And today what we're going to be talking about took place before the birth of Jesus. I want you all to hear this this morning. This took place before the birth of Jesus, and it was a miracle birth whenever John was conceived and born. See, Elizabeth was barren and unable to have children, and Zechariah and her were both up in old age. Kind of sounds a little bit like Abraham and Sarah, doesn't it? little familiar story, right? And they were told, you're going to conceive. You're going to bear a son. But what's amazing to me about this is that, that this is all part of a plan. All of it. Every bit of it is part of a plan. And today we're going to talk about this because I want you to realize that, that nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens by happenstance. Everything in our lives is either A, planned by God, or B, will be used by God. Come on, somebody. I love Romans, and, and the verse, I think it's uh, Romans chapter 8, where it says that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord, according to who are called and according to His purpose. And that is a promise for us this morning, that if it isn't working good now, it's going to. Come on, somebody. You, that, you could leave right now and say it was good to be in the house of the Lord because of that promise, right? If it's not working for my favor now, according to the Scriptures, it will work in my favor if I am called and, and I'm doing the purpose of the Lord. Amen. Alright? So we had that long, lengthy reading there. And there's a couple of quick facts I want to give you before we unpack this about Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible says that they were Levites. And if you don't know anything about the Levite tribe, is they were worshipers. The Levite tribe was the tribe who constantly were going before in war. They were constantly serving in the temple. They were worshipers unto God. The second thing that we see here is they were blameless 
in their walk with God. They done, according to that passage, it tells us that they done everything that the law required of them to do to be standing upright in the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I can't say that about me. But it, it's good to know that people who were blameless in the sight of God still had problems and they still had things that they had to, to work through, right? So I want you to hear this this morning. You may be in right standing with the Lord but dealing with something. And you know what? You're in good company because you wasn't the only one who's ever done that. Amen? Sometimes the devil will tell us, it's just you. There ain't nobody else that's going through what you're going through. But in reality, there's other people. Come on, somebody. Amen? Come on, I feel the Lord in this place already this morning. But... There was one thing that set them aside in a negative manner to the community that they were serving in. And it was the fact that Elizabeth was childless. Not childish, childless. Right? She was unable to conceive. She was unable to bear forth a child. And this is a painful situation for them for two reasons. Reason number one is, is they were parents. They were people who wanted to become parents. And they were unable to. They weren't physically able to conceive. And the Bible tells us that it wasn't Zachariah's fault. It was, in fact, Elizabeth's fault because she was unable to conceive child. And so they were probably very heartbroken, very distraught because they wanted to have children, but they could not. And that's heartbreaking. And that's painful. Allie and I went eight months trying to conceive for, for Ratha, our son, to be born. And it was tormenting to me because I, is it me? Is, am I the problem? You know, God, is there sin in my life? I mean, no joke, I had all kinds of scenarios that I played in my head. Is it my fault? Is there sin in my life? Is something going on? And that was only eight months. And God blessed us. So they had a heartbreak. But there's also a pain that was associated with her not being able to bear forth a child. And it would be the fact that judgment would come on her from the people of Israel. According to Jewish culture, judgment would fall on her. All right, so I know that was a lot to unpack, okay? But we're talking about characters from Christmas, so we're going to start with Zechariah real quick. All right? Zechariah, they, like I said, they were people who gave their life to the Lord. They were, they were set aside individuals, and they served Him faithfully, and yet their desires in their heart hadn't come to pass. Have you all ever been there before? You go to church on Sundays, you give your tithes regularly, and you're like, Lord, where are you at? Come on, I've been there before. I've been there more than once. Amen? I'm like, God, where are you? I feel like I'm doing everything right. I'm trying my best to do everything right. And you are nowhere to be found. And we know that this was the desire of their heart because it transpires when Zechariah goes into the temple. Right? And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he's like, look, Zechariah, you're going to have a kid. And, you know, and so I'm sure he didn't sound like that, you know, southern accent, East Tennessee boy. He didn't sound like that. But the, the, it's something else, too. Side note, what's funny to me is anytime an angel shows up in the scripture, it says, do not be afraid. But have you read any of the depiction of angels in the Bible? Like they have like six eyes, like six heads, wings, all, you know, crazy stuff. Do not be afraid. Right. But uh, side note. Sorry. Anyway. I promise I'm the real pastor, okay? Anyway, so the truth is is that, that Zechariah found himself in this place where God said, look, I promise you something. You've been asking for it for a long time, and I promise you're going to have a son. And Zechariah was so overcame with this promise that he said, how am I going to know? How am I going to know? 
What you're telling me is the truth. First of all, if an angel comes down into a room and tells you something, I'm pretty sure you're going to believe it, right? Either that or you think you're on drugs or drugs you need to be taken. You know, something like that. But the truth is, is that he said, how am I going to know? And because of his doubt, the Bible said he was silenced and wasn't even able to speak. Wasn't even able to speak. So you have a man who is quiet and has a promise he can't talk about. Talk about torment, right? Imagine him wanting to go home to Elizabeth. You would not believe the day I've had in the temple. You know? And let me tell you about this real quick. According to Jewish customs, they say that there was about 18,000 priests in that time. And for Zechariah to be able to serve in the temple that day was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So he had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in the temple. Had a once-in-a-lifetime encounter where God promised him something. And he's not able to tell anybody about it. Imagine him wanting to go home to Elizabeth and say, Honey, you wouldn't believe it. An angel came and told me you were going to have a baby. First of all, she would have looked at him like he had three heads and said, You crazy? I'm old. I'm old. It's impossible. But the truth is, is God gave him a promise. I promise. I'm, I'm unpacking something this morning. Just hang in here. But imagine you spent your whole adult life praying for a child only to see year after year you and your wife growing older and the idea of it actually coming to pass is slowly being ripped away from you. That's what Zechariah and Elizabeth were both going through. The fact that, that, the, that the Lord heard their prayer but didn't answer it in their time frame. I want to say that again. The Lord heard their prayer but didn't answer it in their time frame. This is not in my notes, but I want to encourage you this morning. You may be praying for something and you've not seen it in your time frame. That don't mean God hasn't heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer. We don't like God's answer sometimes because a lot of times God will answer one of three ways. Yes, no, and wait. <laughs> and if it's not been a yes, it's either a no or a wait. And one of those is not coming and the other one's going to take some time. But I want to encourage you this morning, just like Zechariah, God's heard your prayer. And then God answered that prayer with a promise. You got to see something here in this passage is that when God answers prayers, you know, there's been plenty of times that I've said, Lord, I want to do something significant for your kingdom. I want to see you move in a way that I've never seen you move before. I want to see you work in a way you've never worked before. I'm begging of you, God, do this in my life. And instead of God doing it, he just goes, bloop. This little insignificant seed. <laughs> we all know how reproduction works, right? The seed had to be planted and then wait. And then wait. And then wait. And then wait. He couldn't tell Elizabeth what he saw and what he heard. But the Bible says that from that point, moving forward, Elizabeth did what? Conceived. She conceived. But not only did she conceive, you know, 
the thing is, is it wasn't just any child. Come on, somebody. We're talking about John the Baptist. He wasn't Baptist, okay? I want to make that very clear. John the Baptist wasn't Baptist. He was a Baptist, means he baptized people. <laughs> but he was a very important child for the design of God's salvation plan. What's so special about him? Here's something I want you to hear. The Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. That's deep. Side note for parents. Raise your kids in a Holy Ghost home. I, I'm, I'm talking to Pastor Joe here too. Raise your kids in a Holy Ghost home. Don't, don't let the Holy Spirit be something abnormal in your house. Amen. It needs to be present. He needs to be there all the time, all day, every day. Wake up, do it again, right? And the truth is, is that with the Holy Spirit in John's life, he was able to help people turn back to the Lord. He was the next Elijah. Come on. And the Bible says that he was going to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. An encounter with God himself in flesh form. When it comes to characters of Christmas, it's so important to remember that this family, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were the first to catch a glimpse of the coming Messiah. They were the first to hear of the news of Jesus making His arrival, coming. Remember the Bible says that Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth and John did what? He leapt in the womb. So in tune with what God was doing that the Holy Spirit made Him leap in the womb. Wow. It's important that we, we remember that when we talk about this. It wasn't a rich person that heard about the coming of Christ first. It wasn't a poor person. It wasn't someone who had high stature. It wasn't someone who was, who was in royalty. It was none of that. It was an old barren couple. You hear me this morning? It was an old barren couple who was suffering through pain and agony. And they were wanting a child that they never had. But not only were they promised a child, but they were given the forerunner for Christ Himself. The one that would go before Christ Himself. Imagine that. You've been praying, God, please, we just want a, we want a child. We want a child. God, give us a child. And He said, not only am I going to give you a kid, He's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah Himself. Imagine the joy that was on Zechariah and he couldn't tell Elizabeth. Man, ain't that funny? But we're not just talking about any promised child, okay? He was a forerunner. You know, the guy who ate the, the locusts and wild honey and wore camel's hair. The one that would stand out in the desert saying, Repent! For the kingdom of the Lord is coming, right? Repent! Turn from your wicked ways. The one who baptized Jesus himself. He was a man with a purpose. That needed to be fulfilled. I promise either you're going to shout the house down or you're going to, your mind's going to pop off your head whenever I get to the point I'm trying to make this morning. So we see that Zechariah was faithful to serve in the temple and was given a promise. We see that John was promised 
a purpose that needed to be fulfilled. But where does that leave Elizabeth? Elizabeth's story is one whom we often think nothing of. Right? We know that she's barren, but it goes much more deeper than that. Due to Zachariah's speech being taken away and the awesome announcement of John, theologians, let me say this, theologians believe that Zachariah was 92 years old when he received that confirmation from, the, from an angel. I don't know about you, that's weird. 92. According to customs of the times, that means Elizabeth could have been anywhere from 65 to 90 years old. She spent, hear me this morning, a lifetime, a lifetime heartbroken about her inability to bear children. Now, I don't, I can't speak on that because I'm a man. I don't understand the psychology and, and all of that stuff that goes in behind being a mother and bearing a child, but I have seen it firsthand with my wife, and I can tell you that my wife is a strong woman, amen, and anybody who has bore a child is a strong woman, come on somebody, and the truth is, is that there's something unique that happens whenever a woman becomes a mother, unique, and Elizabeth craved that, longed for that, I promise this is so good, longed for that. But not only did she bear that heartache, here's what I want you to hear. She didn't just bear that heartache, she was also disgraced. Outcasted. Pushed aside. Deemed unworthy. Deemed incapable. Because she couldn't have a child. The heartache that she had was a lot more than just saying, I can't have a child. It was the fact that when she would go into the marketplace, they would say, there's Elizabeth. God doesn't love her. God's not blessed her. She's useless. She's nothing. She's no good. And she wore this scarlet A on her clothes, you know, technically, because she wasn't able to go anywhere without people knowing her problems. Come on, somebody. Bless the Lord. We live, in a, we live in a time and a day and age where you can't have a single problem without somebody knowing it, right? And the community judged her. And they outcasted her and they ostracized her. They said that she wasn't able, she wasn't, she wasn't capable. According to Jewish customs, Zechariah, after 10 years, should have divorced her because she is unable to give children. And it's so important in Jewish culture because they felt like it was God's given calling on their life to reproduce their lineage. And because of that, he could have divorced her. Thank God for a man that loves his wife. Amen? But here's the thing. We saw Zechariah, and I promise I'm getting ready to start. We saw Zechariah who was given a promise but couldn't talk about it. We saw John who had a purpose given in his life. And we see Elizabeth who is shame-carrying, load-bearing, guilt. Let me ask you this question. 
What changed? What changed? What was the changing factor for this whole story? What was the one thing that was going to, to happen that set up for Zechariah to have a son? What was the one thing that happened that gave John the Baptist a purpose for living? What's the one thing that happened that was going to restore the pride back to Elizabeth? Jesus came. Jesus came. Do you understand that Zechariah and Elizabeth only had a son because Jesus needed a forerunner? I mean, yeah, Jesus needed a forerunner. Can you believe that John the Baptist's purpose only existed because Jesus was coming? Can you believe that Elizabeth spent 65 to 90 years in guilt and shame and weight that she didn't deserve to carry that was immediately lifted off of her shoulders because Jesus was coming? Can you believe that this morning? It was the arrival of Jesus that gave them the answer to the prayer. It was the arrival of Jesus that set up the purpose for John. It was the arrival of Jesus that said, you're no longer going to carry the guilt and shame anymore. I gave you a promise. You're going to have a son. You're no longer barren. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to myself right now. You're no longer barren. The guilt that you carried is gone. The shame that you carried is gone. Your inability that you carried is gone. I have given you a promise and I've given him a purpose and I've gave you your pride back. Come on, somebody. Woo. Today, you might be in the same spot. You might be. You've been faithful to God, begging for so long. God, where are you at? What are you doing? Where are you at? Pleading for an answer. That might be you. You might be here this morning and you've been carrying guilt and you've been carrying shame and you've been carrying weights that don't belong to you. Because of something foolish you did yesterday or 10 years ago or because of what somebody might have done to you. Carrying all of this. I don't know about you, but the Bible says that he's the great burden bearer. And that, that He has a yoke that's set aside for us that is much lighter than the one we carry now. You may be like John. You've yet to start walking in your purpose. But you do have a God-given purpose. You're just waiting on Jesus to show up. Let me promise you something this morning. God's got a promise for you. God's got a promise for you. You just need to wait on Jesus. He's got a purpose for you. You just need to wait on Jesus. That's so good. God's got, He wants to restore you. But you just got to wait on Jesus. You got to get in the presence of Jesus. That's what changed everything. Guess what? All of this happened before He even showed up. Isn't that amazing that God loved Elizabeth 
and Zachariah so much that he didn't just... They thought it was torment. They thought it was torture. They thought it was inability. They thought it was them. But the whole time it was God saying, you just don't understand what I've got in store for you. You just don't see it. You don't understand it. You've not picked up on it. Because what I've got in store for you is much better than what you could ever have done. Come on, somebody. He said, because I want to give you a son that has a great purpose. And everything you've carried, you don't have to carry it anymore. And I gave you a promise. And you got to see it come to pass. Come on, somebody. How many people know that's the kind of God we serve this morning? And all it takes is for us to get into the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, I want it. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Jesus wants to show you this morning that all you're waiting on is Him. That's all you're waiting on. That's all you're waiting on. Don't try to do it yourself. Listen to me. Don't try to do it yourself. You can't fix yourself. If you were able to, you would have done it years ago. You can't do what God wants you to do by yourself. You've got to have Him. You can't remove your guilt and shame by yourself. You've got to have Him. Come on this morning. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. You may be in the room this morning and say, Pastor Joe, I'm right there. I'm waiting on God to do what I've been asking Him to do. Would you remember me when you pray this morning that I would have faith to just wait on Him? If that's you, would you raise your hand? All over the room, I see that. You may be in the room this morning and say, Pastor Joe, I know that there's a purpose in my life. I've yet to start walking in it. And I think that now that I've encountered the Lord, I'm ready to. That's you. I see that.